0: Uh, for those of you that, that uh, are visiting or maybe have just started coming to Rock City Church for not very long, let me say this to you. When we built out this sanctuary, we didn't do one fundraiser, and we raised $250,000. The most any one person gave was $30,000. We didn't have one millionaire bankroll it. Now, I know a lot of millionaires, but they didn't, give, they didn't bankroll us because they knew, because their kingdom, that we needed to build a story that God was building a story here at Rock City Church. Because when you fight for something, you take ownership over it. When you fight for something, it becomes a story and a testimony that reflects the greatness of who God is. So the Lord showed me on this deal, we do one fundraiser. And that one fundraiser was the gala event. We let the city know who we are. We share our story. We invite people that might not know or or would want to be a part of what's happening to come in and to see. They might not normally come to Rock City Church, or maybe they go to other churches. What I realize is that if we really have lordship and Jesus is really the head of his church, then he'll build it. And I shared at the gala just briefly that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 7 and 27, David was saying to God, I want to build you a house, but God comes full circle and says, I can build my own house. I own everything. And how silly would it be for us to think that we're going to build God a house? He owns it all. The truth is, is God is really the one that builds us the house so that his name can be made great. He builds a house where his presence can reside and ultimately where we can come in and learn and grow and discover and build a family. And so it's his deal. It's his thing. I'm going to show you a little bit in scripture, but even this year, We did this one fundraiser, and now we're going to trust God. Do you know that in me pastoring Rock City Church for five and a half years, I've never done a money series or even one series or message on money? And you know how many pastors and even my own friends say I'm crazy. How could I not teach you about money and managing your money well? Money is so important. It's what we all work for, in a sense, in the natural. And I said, well... The reason why I haven't done any teaching on money is because I believe if I can have you step into your identity and your character flames on and who you are in Christ and your nature out of the abundance of your heart, you'll want to give back to the kingdom. And that the, the main thing is, is that when we become who we're called to become, we take off our crowns and we lay them at his feet, like we sang today. And that's what the 24 elders around the throne are doing right now. They take everything that God has put into their life and they give it back to him. And we do it cheerfully out of the abundance of our heart, not because we're coerced or because we're compelled to give. We do it out of the abundance of our heart. And so if I teach you sonship and identity, if you trust him and have confidence in him and you know that everything comes from him, it'll be a natural desire of your heart to say, God, I can't wait to give back to you. And that's what's happened at Rock City Church. We have money in savings. We have money in the bank. We have over 100000 already set aside for the build out. No coercion, no compelling, and I don't even look at your giving. I don't look at your giving because I never want you to think that I know what you give or don't give or that I'm treating you different because of that. You don't need to walk up and hand me money in my, if you hand me an envelope of money, I'm going to hand it over to somebody else to put into the bank. Because I completely trust God. There's no coercion, it's God's deal you're God's people. You're his church. I'm going to show it to you. So you belong to him. And now what we do is we propel you, instead of top-down leadership, it's bottom-up leadership to challenge you to step into all that God has for you. Isn't that awesome? Like Steve, for example, Stephen Doty. Here's a guy that came from another church in town. He was, they were church transplants. And I even met with their pastors. It was awesome. Who were here for the gala. I know them. So I met with their pastors, and they're like, listen, they're awesome. And there's some people that I know that have gone over to their church that are awesome. And we sat down, and we talked, and they said, look, we just love the presence and what's happening here. We're hungry for more, and we feel like this is where we're supposed to be. And they come here, and they sit for a couple years and grow in their identity of who they are before they ever step into serving, because they needed to learn that their value wasn't based on what they did, but who they are. Because if your value is based on what you do, guess what you'll do? You'll quit. And we've all been there. When we don't feel valued, when we don't feel like we're being seen, and then we want to quit. But see, when we understand we're working for the kingdom and our purpose and our values and our identity, not in the accolades or honor of men, it comes from Christ. And they needed that before they stepped into any leadership. And so they sat down for years. They needed to do that. Some of you don't need to do that. You can learn it quicker, but they did. Now, can you imagine going to the Cultivate Discipleship Bible study? You know what's really gonna happen next week? It's Sunday school on steroids, (laughs) really. It's gonna be Sunday school on steroids. Any of you grow up going to Sunday school way back in the day in a denominational church? So we're gonna have a class at the 10 o'clock service while the 10 o'clock service is going on where people can go over and grow in their identity, grow in the understanding of the kingdom if you've been longing for a Bible study, if you've been longing for fellowship and friendships, you're gonna make them there. Yeah. And that's gonna be one of many small groups that we're, we're gonna have home groups. We're relaunching home groups soon. We're gonna have people meeting in houses all over the city. It's coming. But if you're longing for more, you need to go to that group, especially if you've been baptized or recently saved or longing for relationship. And I, we need to pack out that C1. There needs to be 50 people over there. It'll be a little hot. It'll be a little crowded, but it'll be a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. okay? And so I'm very excited by what's happening here at Rock City Church, and I'm fully trusting in the Lord. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to witness something. It's not to boast in me or to, for, I'm not being arrogant, but I'm gonna, I want to teach you all something that you might never get taught somewhere else, okay? We're not doing any capital campaign. I don't have any one millionaire that has said I'm going to write you. Now I hope so. I would actually like somebody to write a million-dollar check. Yeah. You know what? I'd really like somebody to pay off the shopping center, yeah. so it's just owned debt-free because we have an, a mortgage on the shopping center. We own the whole shopping center. I don't have confidence that that could happen, yeah. but no, not one person's committed to do that yet. But I want you to know I have so much confidence in the Lord. I want you to watch the testimony before it happens. Watch the testimony before it happens. God showed me when we built this sanctuary, don't do one fundraiser. Teach the people, I'm going to build my church and just do what you're called to do. Now watch. I want you to watch and see what comes. I'm not sending out letters. There's no support letters. We're not doing another thing. I mean, we might have a tear the wall down thing we thought we might do something where you got to ch- get a chance to knock the wall down. Right? Wouldn't that be fun? But you know what? Maybe we'll just hand out sledgehammers to all of you. Yeah. Then we'll, we'll have a sledgehammer service. Huh? How fun would that be, right? No, don't do that. Melody's like, no, don't do that. But I, I, want to, I want to demonstrate the faithfulness of the Lord. Okay? This isn't me testing God. This is me trusting God. There's a big difference because you know what? If it takes a year, two years, five, I don't care. You know what I care? God, builds your church. Do it your way in your time. He knows what we need better than what we know. Now imagine if you take that to your personal life. Imagine if you take that to your work, your home. Imagine if you take that in, in every sphere of your life where you have complete lordship and trust in Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? No fear, no worry. See, it's rest. We're resting. We're going to rest. What are we going to do to build this church? Rest. Trust. Not be anxious, but be at peace and say, God, do what you do best. He loves your children and my children more than we do. He loves your kids more than you do. You know that? God cares more about your children and the generations than even we do. So he'll do what he does best. Everybody just say, say, God, God. do what you do best. best. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be awesome. So I just have a short message for you this morning. And I want to tell you what I feel like the Lord has been showing me about so much of the church and what maybe a lot of you are struggling with this morning. I feel like the Lord has been showing me that he did everything to set you free Paid the complete price, and yet so many of us are still living in bondage to the darkness. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the power of darkness. You know why? Because I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people here this morning struggling with anxiety, depression, and sleepless nights. That it's so hard to fall asleep, your mind's running, fear, anxiety, worry, and the power of darkness caving in on top of our mind. And listen, I even go through it sometimes. A couple days before the gala, I just fell into this kind of pit of despair and victim mentality. I got some news that was really hard for me, and I found myself starting to question things and starting to fear and starting to think the devil was just coming at me like what you're doing is never going to work and it's never going to make it. And what if the people leave and they stop giving and the gala doesn't go well and you've vested your whole life into this and, and it's not going to work and it's not going to go where. And then the enemy starts attacking my marriage and my house. And this darkness thing was just caving in on top of us. Yeah, I go through it too. But you know what, I've been through so much that I've learned to be resilient in the midst of it. And even though it was hard, I had friends in my life. Chris flew down and surprised me. Many of my other friends I could look to and lean on and talk to. And what I realized is you've gotta have friends surrounding you and people that you can sometimes just dump on and I even dumped on my wife and my wife was like, it's gonna be all right. And she, she reminded me of something that sometimes when the victory is so big in front of you, the devil works on overtime because the devil knows what's about to happen to a certain degree. He doesn't know at all. But, but he, his, he, we have his attention. Let me explain something to you. Whenever you make the decision to move forward with the promises of God, you're going to get his attention. But the greater news is that he's already defeated. The greater news is that you learn to lead from a position of rest and trust and understand that God delivered us from the power of darkness. So let me show it to you and let me break it down for you in a way that's gonna be so simplistic and I'm gonna give you a couple of examples and stories that I think will really tie it together for you. Let's start out with Colossians chapter one, verse 13. I don't even need most of my notes because this is the scripture that I live. I'm going to give you a little bank of scriptures that I believe is going to really rock your world, and I'm going to help you to understand that you should not be living in less than. You should not be living in less than. God wants you to live in supernatural abundance. The the Bible says that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're being robbed and stolen from and you think you're going to be destroyed and the enemy's bringing accusation and lies into your head, you need to understand that Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. So God wants you to have an abundant life now, now. And so let's look at the scripture. Let's start off first with this first word, he has delivered us. Let me give you an awesome understanding of the word for delivered. The word for delivered, it means to be rescued, but it doesn't just mean to be rescued or set free. It means he he set us free and drew us to himself. There is a current happening right now in the kingdom of God all over the world. And there is a current that's moving in the atmosphere right now. If you've ever gone fishing around the rigs offshore, which I have, I've snorkeled them, I've I've dove them, and I've I've gone spearfishing there. One of the things that I know about the Gulf of Mexico is the currents sometimes can be so strong that if you jump in the water and you're not hooked up to that rig, the current's going to suck you away in a second. Or imagine an undertow, we have people that die here because of undertows being so strong. The understanding of being delivered is this, that the current of the kingdom is moving so strong to set you free from the prison cell and to bring you to him. It's not just so much being delivered, but rather being drawn to the king and being connected with him. Because it's it's one thing to have the jail cell open. It's another thing to fly out and connect to your creator. That's the understanding that whom the Sun sets free, jail cell open, door open, is free indeed, you fly out. And so to be delivered means he completely sets you free and with the current of his presence and his love draws you to himself. Do you get it? Okay. The second thing is he sets you free. He delivers you from the power of darkness. The word power here, there's in the Bible, in the Greek, there's two different words for power and authority. There's dunamis and there's exousia. Dunamis is that where we get the word dynamite, miraculous working supernatural power. That's not the word here. This word here for exousia is the understanding of dominion and authority on earth. Because the devil is known as the god of this world, the little g, not the big G. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the the devil actually took Jesus up to a mountaintop and said, you see all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. If you will bow down and worship me, Luke 4, I will give them to you because it has been given to me. The devil and Jesus didn't refute that. The devil has been cast down to become the God of this world. He's the God of the world system in the spirit of the age. And he says to Jesus, worship me and I'll give it to you. But Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone. And it's the understanding that God's kingdom trumps the devil's kingdom. So yes, the devil has power. That's this word for power. And so many people are gripped in their mind, and in their life by the power of darkness. Come on, guys. Listen, the enemy's works on overtime. And let me tell you how the devil has people gripped in the power of darkness. In the garden, all of humanity became enslaved when Adam and Eve ate from the tree. So there's an infectious poison that went into all humanity because of sin. And that infectious poison is called human nature, carnality. Everybody was born into it. That's why Jesus would have to redeem us and rescue us and set us free or deliver us. So everybody that doesn't know Jesus is enslaved or being trafficked by the devil. I know that sounds extreme, but I'm telling you, if you can understand that, you'll understand how much more powerful when the prison cell got opened. You'll understand redemption in a whole nother light. Because the truth is, is everybody needs redemption. Redemption means, I'm going to show it to you, redemption means the price is paid in full by the blood. Now you're completely set free. But what were you set free from? The power of darkness. Because power means that the enemy has had dominion over your life, and the greatest place that the devil has dominion over your life is in your mind and in your intellect. Because if you believe wrong, And you think wrong, you'll act wrong. That's That's why this word, the power of darkness, is so incredible because we understand that what are we really doing full-time here? We're setting captives free from the power of darkness. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness and principalities in high places. But I'm not wrestling for my life anymore because I'm already bought by the blood. Guess whose life we're wrestling for? Each other's. I'm wrestling for your life to make sure you get bought by the blood and redeemed and delivered and set free from the power of darkness. Now understand this. Jesus delivered us from the power of darkness and he conveyed in us, he conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Let me help you understand this word conveyed. There's about four incredible words that describe the word conveyed. The word conveyed also means to be transposed or translated. In fact, the King James Version says translated. You know what to be transposed or translated means or transformed? It means to be moved from one position to another. It means to change your situation. It means that God changed your situation. Let me give you an example. Weston over, let's just say hypothetically over in this section, which isn't the truth, but hypothetically this section is the power of darkness. And here is Weston sitting in the power of darkness and doesn't even realize it. Gripped, tormented, mental struggles, anxiety, fear, depression, worry, doubt, isolation, shame, all the stuff that comes with the power of darkness. Jesus would pay the price on the cross and shed his blood and Weston says yes. I'm going to accept what Christ did on the blood, and I'm going to receive him as my Lord and Savior, and God picks him up. Now we're going to come over here to this side, and we're going to say that this is the kingdom of his son and his love, and now you have a seat right here, bro, because now he has a new position. Now he's not seated over there anymore. You go back over there, but do you understand? Let's give him a hand clap. Yeah, my friend. You need to understand that to be conveyed. Here's another example of conveyed. Conveyed also means to be fully in one place and move to another. It's the understanding of what happens when you die and go to heaven. It's from it's from death to life, but on earth it's from death on the cross to life in Christ. God transforms me, he transports me and he makes the exchange and he now takes me out of where I once was living. Yeah. He now takes you out. Listen, I grew up by the projects running dime bags and nickel bags in the hood in Miami, and I know what it means to live in a place of poverty because I've been there. It means he moves you out of the projects, and he's moving on up just like the Jeffersons. He's taking you up to a whole new place. I'm telling you that God transports you out of where you were living in poverty and depression and anxiety and fear, and he puts you into, let's say it together, the kingdom of the Son and of his love. Let me tell you what's so powerful about this statement. It didn't say the kingdom of God, even though there is the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's the kingdom of a family. It's the kingdom of the son and of his love. And this word love is the word agape. It is the highest form of love that's completely self-sacrificial that says, I love Jeremy. I love Oscar." no matter what he's done or where he's been or what he can do for me. If you never serve here, if you never do anything, if you never even give a dollar, I will lay my life down for you. Because Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay his life down for one another. It's the greatest form of love. Jesus would demonstrate it on the cross. And so now we lay our lives down for one another because we see the purpose and the call and the identity that is inside of them and we don't care what anybody else says or thinks or what you can do for me. Because you need to understand that Jesus, listen to me, Jesus, when you were in your most darkest, most dysfunctional state, he died for you. The Bible says, while you were yet sinners, He died on the cross at at the right time. So in your most darkest, dysfunctional, hurting spot, Jesus went, pow. So how could we think now when we're battling all these other things that Jesus would leave us or forsake us? He never will. He never does. But what we need is people that will lay our lives down and rally instead of run. What we need is people that are committed for life and understand the purpose and the plans of the kingdom inside the context of family. That's what we need. We need great, 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 great love into the kingdom of the Son, and the greater love has no man than this. Woo-hoo, yeah! There's a current of God's love flowing in this place, I'm telling you. There's a current of God's love flowing in this place, and it's all over the world, it's all over the kingdom, and it's even in other churches in Corpus. But God has you here for a reason and for a purpose in such a time as this. Now is the time. Now is the time. Let me, let me take it a step further. Let's look at the next verse. There's another incredible word in this verse. In whom we have redemption. Let me tell you about this word redemption. Redemption means to pay the price in full. Redemption means to buy back. So I'm using this analogy that when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, they sold all humanity into human trafficking. Everybody was sold into human trafficking, trafficked by the devil. And their own intellectual carnal nature of their mind, the Bible says anybody that doesn't turn to Jesus has a veil. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Anybody, everybody, It's under the law until you come to Christ, and it's called the law of sin and death. It's the spirit of death, and it's killing people. It's killing people. That's why I did a whole teaching on the spirit of death. The strength of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So God would break the law right off of your mind. Now you're not living and trying to eat from the wrong tree or trying to be like God. Instead, you become a son. You stay hooked to the vine, and you realize I can do nothing without him. And now Jesus is inside of me, and I've been called out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his son and of his agape love. And now I live in a whole new kingdom. Let me give you an example. I share my story with you guys of how I went to prison. Now, I went to prison for drugs. I was never a violent guy. I was a peace-loving, happiness-grateful deadhead wearing tie-dyes, okay? Grilled cheese sandwiches and smoking doobies. And I got, but now I was still a criminal. Understand, I don't care whether it was violent or non-violent. I was still a criminal. I did things I wish I never would have done and things that sometimes I tell you. But the point is, I was living like a criminal. And ultimately, I would get busted and go to prison. Now, I served my time and I met Jesus while I was in prison and literally in the natural, there was a jailbreak. In prison, I found Christ and my mind, the shackles of my mind were set free. Do you know you cannot be in prison and still be shackled up in your brain? God, I'm telling you, God wants to set, there's gonna be a jailbreak today. Some of you are battling what's going on right up here. And, and so God would set me free while I was in prison. I come out of prison. Now, let me help you to understand what God's showing me. Too many of you are not living in the kingdom of the Son and of His love, and we keep going back to the power of darkness, and you don't even realize it. Here's a great example. When I was in prison, every day when we would get called to eat three times a day, we called it going to chow. That's what you call it in prison. It's chow time. You get in the chow line. When I get in the chow line, I would get this little green tray. And this little green tray was broken up into sections. Going back to the power of darkness is like me saying, I really want my little piece of meatloaf. I really want my little piece of cornbread. I really want my green beans. And I really want my red or purple jello. Because that was my staple diet in prison. It's like me saying I want to go back to prison food when God already paid the price for me to drive across the street, get a steak, a prime one steak, throw it on the grill, marinate it, and eat a filet with steamed asparagus or Brussels sprouts and homemade mashed potatoes and white gravy, cream gravy. I keep, you keep going back to the prison food when God has a banqueting table for you right now. We don't let our circumstances in this life decide how we're going to eat. Wouldn't that be silly? I'm not going back to the power of darkness anymore. I have been redeemed. Who? We have in Jesus the redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Every failure, every mistake, every shortcoming washed in the blood. I don't see it. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I don't even remember your sin anymore. And yet we're repenting to God for weeks on end in shame about our past because the devil's persecuting and accusing you daily. And now God says, I'm gonna set you free from the shackles of your mind and the anxiety and the depression and the sleepless nights. You see, we learn to take a rested seated position because when you get born again, the Bible says that God seats you in heavenly places at his right hand. And he's seated until his enemies are made his footstool which means you lead from a position of rest. And so about a week and a half ago, in the middle of the night, I have a dream about Satan. I saw him in person, I've seen him many times. And then the spirit of death comes in a nice black suit with a black pin tie, tie on. And I wake up wide awake, my hair stands on end. When the spirit of death comes to knock on your door, because of your seated position of authority and rest, and I'm not no longer a part of the power of the kingdom of darkness, I roll over and go back to sleep. Not because I'm passive. Not because I, I'm afraid. Not because I'm not, I'm, Don't think it can do something, but because I know it has no power because who I've become. And when you understand that I'm not having to wrestle for my life anymore, even though the devil comes against me, really what I'm wrestling for is for your life and your life and your life. And now we start wrestling and fighting for one another. And now I have people praying for me and fighting against demonic principalities and forces that would try to hold back God's purposes and kingdom in Corpus Christi and at Rock City. And now we're a unified front as an army and you're not Alone anymore because we're fighting together against the enemy that wants to drive us back. If Jesus is seated until his enemies are made his footstool and you're seated there too, what are you supposed to do? Keep your seat. You keep your seat. You don't want anxiety, fear, worry, doubt. You trust him. And you have to learn that. What we really need is an understanding. What we need is to understand who God made us to be through faith and discover all the benefits we've already been given. You're already a son and daughter if you give your life to Christ. And now you get all the benefits that come inside of him. Let's look at the next scripture. We'll read the next few scriptures quickly. Verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things, everybody say all things, were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created, everybody say through him, him. by him, him. and for for him. So check this out. This says that everything was made by Christ, even all the demonic principalities. And so we're... We're afraid or worried or getting beat up by somebody that's got a water pistol when you got an AK 47 in the spirit? Jeez, not only is he defeated, but he was created for him, by him, in all things. What does that mean? You want to know what that means? It means that you're a part of an epic love story that's better than any Hollywood mi- movie. It means that Jesus is beckoning a bride. It means that God is longing for us to choose him willingly and to not choose the power of darkness. It means that when darkness caved in, we cried out. It means that we chose to love a lover and a bridegroom because we desire him. And now the enemy becomes a pawn in, his greater, in God's greater plan. He's already defeated. The enemy has been defeated. I'm telling you. And so it's in the battle of mind and the power of darkness that he tries to keep you in prison. But he conveyed you. He translated you. He transported you. He shifted you. He made the exchange. He took you from one place to another place. And now he says, verse 17, he's before all things. And in him all things consist And he's the head of the body. He's the head of the church. Jesus is the head. Not David Bendett. Jesus is the head. He's the one that we all look to. Because if you're all always looking to me, you're going to be let down. But some people stay in this church and never have a time with me. But they love me and they support me because of the influence and the life of Christ. But they're his sheep. They're his sheep. You're his sheep. We're his body. We're his church. Jesus is the head of this church. Jesus is the one that we have to learn to lean on. Jesus is the one that sustains us day in and day out, night and day, when your friends and your pastor and nobody else is there for you. But then He brings an army alongside of you to battle together, so you don't go through life alone. That's how this thing works. And it's so Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things He so that in all things He may have preeminence. Let me teach you this word, preeminence. I love this word. Man, don't get a tattoo of preeminence. Just blaze it on your mind, okay? I'm telling you. You need to know this word preeminence. Eminence means, the word eminence by itself means number one. It means first, first place. It means he won, and he stays in the winning position, and from his position of being number one, he influences everything else. That's what what eminence means. Preeminence means before, above, that nothing, nothing, nothing is greater than Jesus. Nothing has more power than Christ. Nothing can overcome Christ. And can you imagine when the preeminence of Christ is living on the inside? Oh, shakarabasatarabak. I'm just telling you, it makes you want to shout and pray in tongues. Come on, guys, you get fired up today. This is good news. This is gospel news right here. How many of you need some good news today? In my hardship and difficulty, employees and staff and people and friends that I love that go through difficult times or for whatever reason jump out of the fight, still Christ is preeminent. When your lover left you or you went through that divorce or that bad thing happened or you made those mistakes or you burned it to the ground, Christ is preeminent. And when you turn to the preeminence of Christ, the number one, the head over all things, you have no fear. You have no fear. Everybody say no fear. No fear, because God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Right. Now, do I have to learn this, and do I have to overcome it, and do I battle it? You bet. Am I preaching you the gospel Bible truth? Yeah. yeah. Woo. Yeah. Do I mind preaching my own life message? Because yeah. I realize I can't go back to the power of darkness. Yeah. I've been transported. I've been transposed. I've been moved from one position to another. I no longer sit in that old seat that I used to sit in. That old you's dead. Leave him in the grave. Stop resurrecting the old you. That guy is not you anymore. Leave him or her dead and step into the newness. Let your mind be transformed and come into the greatness of who our God is. He's preeminent. He's preeminent. He's above all, above all principality, above all demonic forces above all spirit of death the world fears the spirit of death we overcome the spirit of death do you understand you have the victory people jesus calls you his beloved you walk in the confidence and the greatness and let that current jesus in the night there's a current when the darkness comes and the fears and the lies and the victim mentality and you feel so alone there is a current there is a river There is a river. It's a river of joy that brings gladness. There's a river of the kingdom flowing through your house and through your heart. He's going to do it. He's doing it. He's going to do what he said he would do because he's preeminent. He's above all things. We have the victory now through Christ. We don't have to fight for it. We have it. Take hold of it. Take hold of it. And If you're battling depression, sleepless nights, If you go to bed at night and you're having a hard time sleeping, listen, it happens to me. But I come back to the truth. I come back to the word. I come back to the vine. And it's in those moments when I feel beat down and discouraged, when I get my breakthrough and my overcoming, that I come out stronger, a little bit stronger than before. Sure, the enemy's gonna try to trip you up, but you've got authority over the enemy because the power of the kingdom is greater than the power of the devil's kingdom. He doesn't have power over your life anymore. You have a new power and authority that comes through Jesus when you're born again. Yeah! Woo! Let's all stand.